0: Come on in. Angie Panier welcomes University of Nebraska Lincoln Chancellor Ronnie Green into her East Campus lab.
1: So we mainly focus on gene delivery and tissue engineering Introduces her graduate students. Chancellor Green, this is Albert and Amy. These are two PhD Hello. students Hi. Hi, in the
0: lab. And talks about her research.
1: Projects. We have about ten different projects that we run, either alone or in collaboration with researchers at UNL, UNMC, and the U.S.M.E. Animal Research Center.
0: And Dr. Paneer is a biomedical engineer. Dr. Green's background is animal science and genetics. In the lab, they speak the same language. We want that's
1: there. And CRISPR, you just kind of deliver scissors. Yep. and they go in and do editing of the native genome for you, and you can do it with. And they share an insider's view on changes in technology um, because traditional ways of doing that was very laborious, or it was difficult, or it had a lot of errors. And this trust me, is- I know. <laughs> <laughs> you want to come
0: back to last Restriction endonucleases. No yeah, right, right I'm Mary Jane Bruce, and in this episode of Faculty 101, I turn the hosting duties over to Ronnie Green. In his interview, Dr. Green finds out more about Angie Panier's career path, her life outside the lab, and her bacon project. Okay, you should switch partners now.
2: To be able to inspire young people.
0: (laughs) Ace your finals. It's really rewarding. I love the students. Welcome to Faculty 101, life hacks and success stories from Nebraska faculty. First up, orientation who is Angie Paneer and how did she get here
2: so Angie I know you got a beautiful family tell us a little bit about your family
0: yes I, uh, my husband Tyler is a software developer
1: here in town and as um, uh, a graduate of UNL an alumni of computer engineering um, and um, our daughter Lily um, will be 12 in May and she's a dancer a theater um, person a singer all, all types of performing um, and our son Emerson is eight and he is uh, is in Taekwondo and really loves video games, I think like all eight-year-olds.
2: So what makes
1: UNL a great place to be? Well, I mean, honestly, this this is what happened. Um, I grew up, I had no idea really what I was going to be. I was smart, and my parents wanted me to be a doctor. Uh, they hadn't gone to college. Um, I grew up in Fremont, and um, doctors were smart, and I think that was all that they could tell me, right, that, that you should go be a doctor, and I did not want to be a doctor. Um, I didn't know, I loved math, science, and physics, I loved music, I loved writing, Um, and I loved clothes. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: kind of exactly
1: who I am now, right? Uh, And uh, I was either going to major in oboe performance or engineering. That was what I was going to major in, and I had a high school physics teacher, and she Sorry, talking to me about engineering. I'd never heard of this. My dad said, "Why do you want to drive a train?" I mean, we we had no context of it. And she started talking to me about it, and um, it was a. I went to an engineering camp at Iowa State, and I kind of liked it. And it was at the time where I just picked a major, and it was bioengineering or biological systems engineering. And I came here for four years and then stayed for my master's. And I just loved this place, and I couldn't believe the opportunities that that, that UNL had given me. Like this was beyond my wildest dreams or anything that had ever happened to me as a a child. And I had a wonderful childhood. It's just I couldn't imagine this. And so when I had the opportunity to come back and be a faculty member at a place that changed my life and that I felt such loyalty to, I just, how could I say no to that? And I remember pinching myself for the first few days that I was a faculty member here at the place that I loved. Um, And I remember after the first couple of weeks of being a faculty member, my dad called and he goes, how does it feel to finally not be learning anymore? I go, oh my gosh, I've learned more as a faculty member than I ever learned as a student. Um, but that's why I love it, is you get paid to learn. And so, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't dream of being anywhere else. This place did everything for me. It changed my life.
0: Next, lab work, a deep dive into Dr. Panier's research.
1: So
2: talk a little bit about what the, goals are of your research to start?
0: Sure, so gene
1: delivery is the transfer of genes into a cell, typically for a therapeutic or potentially a diagnostic purpose. And um, there's many different ways to get DNA or genes into cells. Um, Viruses are very effective at it and have been evolved over billions of years to do that. Um, And actually, we now have gene therapy products on the market that use viral vectors, is what we call them, to deliver genes to cells. But for some applications, viral vectors don't work as well. They um, have some safety concerns scale-up concerns, toxicity, immune response concerns. So we work in the general area called non-viral gene delivery, which means we use materials to kind of mimic a virus to deliver genes inside of cells. And um, non-viral is safer and more tunable than viral delivery, but it suffers from inefficiency. And so a major focus of my lab is trying to increase the efficiency of non-viral gene delivery. Now, a lot of wonderful scientists in the world focus on engineering those materials that are used to shuttle those genes inside of cells Um, and we do some of that work which I can talk about Um, but a lot of my lab we focus on what we call priming the cells so rather than worrying about this shuttle we're worrying about what's going to receive the genes and so we do things to try to make that cell more receptive to receiving DNA. And so we do that with chemical priming, which means basically giving drugs to the cells to change their status. Um, and we've really pioneered that in the world, um, as well as physical priming, where it, which is we can change the surface that the cells are sitting on, if it's in a culture dish. And just for some reason, cells it matters to them what carpet they're on or or right. what flooring they're on. And so um, we can do that as well. And so we, I, I, what I'm proud about our, in our lab is that we also always have one foot in basic science and one foot in application. So we want to understand this on one hand but then we want to try to apply it. And so some of our applications for this is delivering genes to adult stem cells that are natively found in your body, that are used for repair, regeneration, um, genetically modify them in a way to make them uh, a therapy. They're, uh, they're, they become the therapy. And so um, we've recently started um, looking into Alzheimer's disease, osteoarthritis. Um, and, and then separately, we also, I, I talk about everyone else engineering the materials. We do that as well. And so we really are focusing on engineering materials for oral DNA delivery. That's sort of a, a, a sp- um, part of the field that is not as well studied. Um, and so we have developed the first system that uses zine, a protein from corn, and chitosan, a mm-hmm. polysaccharide from shrimp. So it is uh, shrimp Native and Ritz. materials, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, To right. deliver DNA uh, through, into the intestinal space. And we're really interested in that for DNA vaccines and also treating local um, bowel disease, or in, in intestinal diseases.
2: So what, what are some of the challenges that researchers in this field face that you're working on in your own lab you've got a huge lab that's yes. very very successful pioneering things in this in this field and nationally and internationally recognized so what what are some of the kind of challenges that well, you face in this there's only three challenges
1: arena. in in uh, gene therapy, and that's just delivery, delivery, and delivery, so that's, that's what we're all, that's our challenge, is, yeah. is um, you know, turns out nature has uh, evolved many ways for us to not put DNA into a cell that should not be there, and so, um, you know, we have, that is our challenge, is how do we make sure that we can efficiently get it into the right number, the right cells, the right number of cells, have that gene expressed or basically read at a, the right level, um, so that is, that is a big challenge in our field.
2: Talk, talk a little bit about the support for your research.
1: Sure. Well, so I, I have to give a shout out that the American Heart Association was the first grant that I ever got a scientist development mm-hmm. grant, and that started a lot of this priming work of using drugs to try to increase cell responsiveness. Um, we're currently funded by NSF, um, the last year of my career grant, um, and we're funded by the NIH. Um, uh, uh, director 's new innovator award um, and we 're also funded by the USDA for some of our tissue engineering work so we actually have a whole other project on tissue engineering pig embryos right. not to mimic human embryos or it 's actually to grow better pigs for more bacon that 's right. my bacon project right. Right. Um, so and that 's funded by the USDA so we actually have a, a large um, portfolio of funding, and then we also have industry funding in the lab, so we actually run contracts with industry.
2: And part of what you mentioned was the NIH New Innovator mm-hmm. Award that you mm-hmm. received here just this past year, uh, it's, a big, it's a big deal,
1: it is. It it's It's a big really deal. big deal. Yeah.
2: So talk a little bit about that, uh-huh. what is that program? Um, so what?
1: that's a different type of grant um, mechanism from the National Institutes of Health that funds basically a person and not necessarily a project. Right. So it's a different way to, to write a grant proposal, you don't write, i going to do X, Y, and Z. You actually just kind of write, here's who I am and everything I'm thinking about. Um, and the money is given as a single shot mm-hmm. for five years with no strings attached mm-hmm. and it says go out and, and do your innovative stuff. Um, I am the first Nebraskan to ever win that award or mm-hmm. earn that award. I am the first person in the, in the university system. Um, and so it's really exciting. It, it also kind of connects you to all these other innovators across the country. Right. So there's a yearly um, workshop or symposium. Right. Networking um, of on that one. Mm-hmm, so. Yeah,
0: so it, it was quite an honor. Now it's time for a pop quiz: random questions, life hacks, and wisdom for all of us.
2: And so, how do you moderate you know, the mentoring with graduate students and a large number of graduate students, and work that you do, the t- teaching work you do at the university, the, the um, and you you're. Uh, you have a family and life on it. You know, how do you how do you moderate all of
1: that? Oh well, that's a question I get asked a lot, and I think there is no one perfect answer. Um, I'm very organized, and I am I look not organized compared to my husband. So um, we're both engineers, we're both Type A, um, and the that wasn't a question about my family, but it is a question about my family because my family, my children have only grown up knowing well that's a lab thing, <laughs> or we gotta be at the lab, or the lab's coming over, the lab's doing this. But uh, I have lots of lists. I have a whole book of lists. The lists my book of lists is never far away, and, and my students would all attest that if I don't have my book of lists, then there's nothing gonna get to happen that day. Um, very organized, and I have a lot of good people around me. So I, I have the best graduate students in the world. I'll put them against anyone's.
2: What advice would you give to an incoming freshman in the class of 2023?
1: I have a few pieces of advice. One is um, you do want to get involved. I mean this, there are so many opportunities at UNL. You have to do it very cautiously and not overdo it, um, but try to do something that you've never done before and I think that's that's part of college. More importantly is you have to learn how to manage your time and you have to do it really quickly. Um, I think the great thing about UNL is we have many resources at the department level to the university level, and you need to make use of those because time is going to be totally different to you than it's ever been before. Um, You need to seek out and talk to professors, especially if you feel that you are not getting the material or the grades not what you think it should be. We are just people, and you need to talk to us. And if you wait till the week of finals week to talk to us, that does not work. and then you know the, the advice that, that people don't want to give, but it's true, is that grades do matter. but there is the support system to help you.
0: And finally, graduation day. Final thoughts from Angie Panier.
2: If you were to dream what you hope your research will do, the research in this area that you're working in, your students and the, mm-hmm. what what's your dream?
1: Well, I think all the, the dream of all, engineers especially is that we want a product on the market we want something that is changing people's lives that you know they don't know that's that all that work went into it but that it somehow affects and changes their lives and i think that's a that's a wonderful goal and we all have it and then we have to obviously strive for it um, but if i'm honest my goal is that my graduate students and my undergraduate students go out and change the world
0: That's it for Faculty 101. Thanks to Chancellor Green and Dr. Paneer for their help. This is the final episode for this season of the podcast, but we'll be back in the fall with more stories of UNL faculty. Faculty 101 is produced by the University of Nebraska-Lincoln.
1: Yeah, I, don't, I guess I don't know what free time is because I have an 8-year-old and a 12-year-old no. that are in a lot of activity, so my free time is I'm an Uber driver for children around town. No. <laughs>